Well, well, well. What do we have here? A new 2025 Rivals 250 released. The first new set of rankings for the 2025 class in the 24 calendar year. And not one, Parker. Not two, not three, not four, but five in-state prospects in the Rivals 250 release today. Oh boy, that's a lot for the state of Oklahoma. I, hey, it just goes our opinions looking better and better that this could be the best uh, best class that the state of Oklahoma has seen in quite some time. Five in the top 250, and you have some others that could make um, a heck of an argument that they should be in the top 50 or top 250 as well, and maybe they will be by the end of the recruiting cycle. But, uh, yeah, five. You got five in-state kids, Elijah Thomas at 121, Nate Roberts at 151, Kevin Sperry at 157, Tristan Haynes at 205, and then there's C.J. Nixon at 225. You said yesterday you thought Kevin Sperry, in terms of OU commits, might make the biggest jump, and he did make a jump up 25 spots from where he was previously to uh, to number 157. Yeah, and his ranking, I would figure, will continue to fluctuate in that top 150 territory, at least until he gets out to the Elite 11 this summer. I think that's where Kevin Sperry is really going to have an opportunity to move the needle for some of the more respected national evaluators. And, you know, we had the Gorn Dog yeah, on during that. the 12 o'clock hour, and he talked about Kevin Sperry a little bit, so, some of the – tools that he brings to the table and what the national perspective on the kid is. And I think it it's evident that regardless of how he performs at the Elite 11, regardless of how the offseason goes for him heading into his senior year, he is somebody that at the very least is going to contend for top 100 consideration. And with a strong performance at the Elite 11 or even an upset win like we saw from Jackson Arnold a couple years ago, uh, he's somebody that could – break the top 50 and maybe warrant five-star consideration. For for those that missed the uh, interview with uh, Gorn Dog, uh, what, what were the highlights of that when talking about Kevin Sperry? He said maybe he's not the freak athlete, like maybe you have in one or two quarterbacks this year or previously, but just a solid all-around player is kind of what I got there from, from Adam Gorney. Yeah, and he mentioned, you know, the one, the one thing that maybe holds Sperry back relative to some of his peers at the position is he's he's not a dynamic athlete. He's a plus athlete with good functional mobility and somebody who can tuck the ball and run and hurt you with his legs, uh, but not somebody that's just going to leave the opposition in his dust the way that somebody like Michael Hawkins will. But, I, I mean, by the same token, Jackson Arnold wasn't necessarily that guy either. You don't have to be a 4-4 guy in order to be an effective dual-threat quarterback. And Kevin Sperry does have that propensity in his game. Yeah, just just um, just be accurate with the football, deliver it on time, be able to throw the deep ball, um, and, yeah, be able to move around a little bit. 4-3 mixed with all of that would be nice, but – not many of those quarterbacks walking the uh, the face of the earth right now. So what, all in all, OU has two current commits in the top 250? I, ha- I have that right. And they're two in-state kids, correct? Um, Elijah Thomas at 121 and Kevin Sperry at 157. Was Nickens not in the top 250? I did not see Jaden Nickens in the uh, huh. in the top 250. No, I did okay. not, unless I totally missed that. I don't think that I did, but I'll, I'll check it one more time. Okay. C.J. Uh, Nixon was at 228. Uh, he was one of the five in-state kids, but no, do not see him in the top 250. So OU's got two right now. 
that that's going to change. I don't think anyone's alarmed by that. Sure. At least judging by the text line already, that's not the case. But I see Max Granville at 236. I see Fasusi at number 11. Jonah Williams at 13. Ty Haywood at 16. Andrew Babalola at uh, 96 on this list. So the number six overall class, they're in good shape. And maybe it won't even take OU that long to get more than two players in the top 250. Saw a lot of OU targets in that top 250 as I scrolled down today and looked at every player there. Did Grayson Harris drop out too? I I didn't see Grayson Harris. I think he's, what, the third highest ranked commits, according to Rivals, that OU yeah. currently has? Weird. Whack, that's crazy if Harris and Nickens both dropped out of the top 250. I had not noticed that when the rankings update came around, but... Yeah, look at that. He's he's not. He's outside the top 250. Yeah, it is what it is. It'll come back around. 620 from the state of Kansas. Is Kevin Sperry closer to Baker running-wise? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's a fair comparison. I don't even care about like the running-wise. I like the uh, the escapability that Baker had. Like, How many times throughout his career did you say, uh-oh, he's, he's dead to rights? Then he breaks a tackle and he gets outside. Parker, there were times where there, there'd be someone coming off the edge – Baker somehow makes a guy miss, gets outside, makes another guy miss, and then ends up completing a pass like 15 yards down the field to to move it for a first down. So Baker, like, running-wise, is that a better, better comparison, just overall speed for Kevin Sperry? Sure, yeah. But very few that I've seen around here have had the ability to break tackles in the pocket, outside the pocket, and extend the play like like Baker did. He was a magician when it came to that. Well, and that's a it's a valuable asset for a quarterback to have. I, and I think the way that that's best summed up is just pocket presence, right? And pocket presence is not something that's exclusive to dual threat quarterbacks, but that's part of what helped make Tom Brady so great. And Tom Brady was the antithesis of a dual threat quarterback. He was no threat with his legs whatsoever. But part of the reason why he always seemed to be able to deliver the throws when and where he needed to deliver them is because he knew how to navigate the pocket. He had the sixth sense for where he needed to maneuver, where he needed to step, how he needed to evade pressure. And that's that's a quality that is a prerequisite for playing the quarterback position at a high level. You don't necessarily have to be a dual threat, but you have to have strong pocket presence and strong awareness. And plus, if DNs just looked at him in the backfield, it'd be a 15-yard penalty and a fine from the NFL. I'm sure that, hop, uh, that helped Tom Brady out as well. <laughs> Yeah. Superstar calls. Jimmy and BA says three star you. Oh, come on, Jimmy. They got. I, Jimmy's kidding there. Half of the class four stars, half the class three stars right now. But what was, like, from an OU aspect here, what was the main, what's the big takeaway from this new Rivals 250 release? Like, Fasusi moves up one, Jonah Williams moves down four to 13, Ty Haywood jumps up 43 spots to 16. What's just overall the big takeaway from the OU side of things? I would say it has to be that, you know, Ty Haywood just broke into five-star territory, and we knew that he was a high-end lineman, a guy that would sit in the upper range of the blue-chip department, and that Oklahoma was a strong contender for his pledge. But to see him rise into the national top 20 and for that to coincide with some intel that – indicates Oklahoma does have the advantage right now and it's sure it's only February but they do have the advantage right now in Haywood's recruitment 
uh, I think that's one that Oklahoma fans ought to be paying more attention to than they probably were before. Yeah, I mean, because we were mostly talking about Michael Fasusi when it came to offensive linemen, and we still will, rightfully so. I mean, he's still the higher-ranked offensive lineman that you're after right now, or the highest-ranked offensive lineman you're at. But if Ty Haywood's going to jump up 43 spots this early on in the process, how much more is he going to jump by the time we get to the end of the cycle? Would I guess that Michael Fasusi is still the highest-ranked offensive lineman on OU's board? Yeah, but only five spots separate the 2-0 linemen right now. And Ty Haywood's making a run, man, at the top ten. He's making a serious run at the top ten. He's already in five-star territory. This guy's good. And would you like to have Fasusi? Yeah. But if Ty Haywood ends up being the best offensive lineman you get in this class, then you should be happy about that because you might have a top 12, top 10 overall prospect coming up on the offensive line. So I think I said yesterday, man, that if you get Fasusi, think that would be the highest-ranked offensive lineman of the Bill Biedenboe era. I think that's right. But you have a couple of options for that right now, potentially, with Fasusi and Ty Haywood. Either of those two guys could probably be the highest-ranked O-lineman of the Biedenboe era. You know who's another guy that sits right there smack dab in the middle of the Rivals 250 that we have barely talked Andrew about? Andrew Babalola? Not Andrew mm-hmm. Babalola. I was, I was kind of pivoting. I was going away from the offensive line. Uh, so forgive me for that, but Omarion Robinson yeah, out of Little Rock, Arkansas, the safety, and a guy that Brandon Hall offered close to, if not over a year ago, uh, he's coming back to campus on March 9th for another visit to Oklahoma, and the Sooners have a very, very sizable lead there. Not an insurmountable one, but they've got a sizable lead. And I halfway wonder whether Omarion Robinson makes it out of the month of March still uncommitted. Well, he's at 118 today. He dropped 17 spots, so he was at 101 previously. But four-star safety, like you said, at a Little Rock, six foot one, 185. There's just, and that was kind of my big takeaway: is well, OU's already out in front of a lot of other schools with 10 commits already. But dang, man, there's just so many rivals 250 players that you feel like they lead on. Or they're right there, top two, top three. And, and just to name a few more, like Fasusi at 11, Jonah Williams at 13, Ty Haywood at 16, there's Lincoln Cure at 65, baby, up two spots. Andrew Babalola was at 96, uh, Max Granville's at 236, CJ Nixon at 225, Nate Roberts at 151, Tristan Haynes at 205. You just mentioned Omari and Robinson as well. There's just a, a lot of names still out there that you can get in this uh, in this Rivals 250. And, of course, this ranking will change, man. This of ranking course. will absolutely change. Yeah, It absolutely will. But, again, the one thing that I'll remind everybody as we continue to expand upon this recruiting discussion is spots are at a premium right now at Oklahoma. Because you got 10 commits. You're only taking 20, 22, maybe 23 guys, maybe. But – that means you got, at most, 13 more spots to fill. 918 says, if recruiting is the lifeblood of college football, and OU is known for several years it's going to a conference where recruiting staffs are three times the size, why do we have a tiny staff? And then giggity is in uh, quote, uh, quotes there. Uh, isn't it basic knowledge to reinforce your successes? We've lost two great people because they held the purse strings tight in crucial areas. Hmm. How do I respond to that? So I, the two 
great people that that listener is referencing is, of course, J.R. Sandlin, former director of recruiting and player personnel, and Lee Davis, former director of on-campus recruiting. And I, I guess the answer to your question is, well, when it ain't broke, don't fix it. And maybe that's an overly apathetic way of looking at things, and my apologies if so, but I think the, the Sooners had it rolling with J.R. Sandlin and Lee Davis, and they were both excellent at their jobs, and there wasn't really I, – I, I guess I'll, I'll phrase it this way. There wasn't really the thought that Lee Davis was going to jump for another job. J.R. Sandlin, we'd kind of discuss the fact that he, he was never long for Oklahoma – you know, it is what it is. Those types of positions generally turn over more regularly than even on-field coaching positions. So you knew you were going to have to replace him at some point along the line. But if there were more support to be added to the recruiting office, it would be it would be more in support of Lee Davis's role than J.R. Sandlin's just because – there is a lot that goes into the planning and the execution of visits and the coaches travel and all that stuff. All, all of the things that Lee Davis was responsible for, yeah, I think there could be additional help in that area. And I think, oh, you could allocate additional positions and resources to help in that area. But I think the other end of it, too, is that there's just there's so much that is evolving with regard to recruiting and what you can and can't do. And this will all be a moot point once the NCAA is officially powerless. But until then, you know, I, I, the NCAA just canceled cookie cakes <sighs> last week. Unbelievable. Right? So they, the way that recruiting gets regulated and the way that even over the last year in terms of how many official visits kids can take and all that and all the scruples and specifications as to what you can and can't do when they're on campus under this circumstance or that circumstance – there's just there's a lot of change happening right now as far as the organization and execution of various recruiting functions and tasks. And so that's why I say the recipe that Oklahoma was working with, they were having success with. Yeah, I mean, my rebuttal was going to be what Sean essentially just texted it. Like, both of – one goes to UCF, Lee goes to UCF, Sandler goes to SMU, but they technically got upgraded in terms of positions, right? Sure. And maybe the thought is, well, you could have spent money just to keep them here and not to take that upgrade. Like, it wasn't necessarily a lateral move in terms of position. They weren't leaving for the same job to go to UCF and SMU – they were going for job title um, increases. So I, I guess I can't fault anybody for, for doing that. Look, I, I think OU's just going to be be just fine in the recruiting space. Is yeah. Lee Davis well, really good at her, at her job? Yeah. Is J.R. Sandlin really good at his job? Absolutely. And they had a hand in what's happened here recently. I just, I'm sorry, I don't think that we're going to be sitting on signing day, good, bad, and different, and saying... This is what would have happened if these two were still on campus. Well, and to that point, again, I, I do not mean to diminish or devalue the work that Lee Davis and J.R. Sandlin did because they were both really good at their jobs, and that's the reason Agreed. why they got promotion. Yes. But, but how many recruits over the last two and a half years 
have mentioned either Lee Davis or J.R. Sandlin in explaining why they chose to commit to the university. Nor will we mention either of those if a recruit doesn't go OU's way this time. If OU doesn't get Michael Fasusi or Jonah Williams. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, J.R. Sandlin really <laughs> dropped the ball on that one. Right, yeah. Actually, someone's going to remember that on the text line. We might forget it, but someone's going to remember it, and they're going to send it in once we have our first recruit and heartbreak of the uh, 2025 cycle. That'll be great. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A lot of crouton to get to, and yeah, we're going to make fun of drink, which you guys have already done on our social media pages. We'll just read what you've wrote so far. More to come next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And on our Twitter page, at KREF Sports, asked you this morning, after the comments that uh, old Drink had yesterday, you know, talking about Caden Green, and I love to see what's being said on Twitter. You know, he's trying to troll OU fans there. Asked on Twitter, what's the first word that comes to mind when you see this photo? And it's a very embarrassing photo of uh, Drink, as most of them are. (laughs) So I asked for one word to describe this photo. Here's, um, I don't know how many I have, uh, a little north of 10, one-word responses that we've gotten, okay? Just, I, I just picked out just various ones. You tell me which one is your favorite to describe drink, okay? okay? Booger, goober, tampering, weird, <laughs> Dahmer, <laughs> oh, gosh. from our guy Jim and Casper, Dahmer, <laughs> Tool, Dork, wedgie, twerp, psychopath, whoa, dorkfish, and virgin, which also <laughs> made me laugh. Out of, out of all those one-word responses, which one do you think best? I think the you? leaders in the clubhouse for me are dork and twerp. <laughs> I like those Dahmer seem- and virgin. I <laughs> those two are my favorite. Dahmer seems a little bit over the top. That's why I think it's. That's why I like it so much. Over the top, it was great, Jim. I've been laughing about that all morning. Sean says mouth breather. Nine one eight says putts. A train says tampering. You know the thing is, like out of all these, booger, goober, tampering, weird, Dahmer, wedgie, dork. There's more than one of these that actually describe the guy that's currently the head coach at Missouri. You know, it's not like you have to pick out the word that. You know, he actually – there's several of these words that you can use to describe old drink. Okay, I'm going to ask another question. By the way, great text from Cherokee Sooner. It's J.R. Sandlin's fault we lost yeah, Cole Adams. That, that was good. Very nice. Um, let me ask a different question because I think at this point in time, on February 27th, 2024, there would be some legitimate I, – I, I, I perceive that there will be a pretty even split amongst the fans here. Who do you hate more, mule shoe or drink? Mm. Okay, so immediately it was still I, – nah, I, I still hate I still hate mule shoe. And you know what? That is my answer. And, and really, Parker, here's the main reason why. Is drink has trolled a couple of times. Sure. And he will continue to troll, okay? Definitely. But the reason why it's still mule shoe is – the fact that that idiot and the lie that he told about people trying to break into his home, like, it, it was kind of all fun and games for a while, 
making fun of him and enjoying his failures. Like, that's not an act. Like, I really do legitimately enjoy his failures in L.A. But the moment that he drew, he, he threw that in there, went on a podcast and spewed lies about how people tried to break into his home and people were texting his daughters and then multiple people checked with the Norman Police Department and they had no record whatsoever of any of that. That's why it'll always be mule shoe to me. Because of just God, what an what a tool to, to do something like that. That that long after the fact. When it wasn't even true, dude. Like I don't like drink. I think drink is a booger, goober, tampering, weird, dahmer, tool, dork, every word that we have, but he hasn't sure. done something like that yet. Okay. And I hear all that. He tried to that's... paint the people around here in a very unfair light. What, are people passionate around here? Yes. Are they still mad about things? Yes. Yep. Would they ever do something like that? Hell no. Absolutely not. Now, I hear all that, and it's a good rationale, and it's one that makes mm. sense. Let me give you the counterpoint. Mule shoe being mule shoe indirectly led to a lot of good for the University of Oklahoma, i.e. Brent Venables being your head coach, Jackson Arnold rather than Malachi Nelson being your quarterback, the return of defense, Boise respectable State's, defense. Boise State is. starting quarterback uh, Malachi he, Nelson. Yes, He took Alex Grinch with him. It resulted in significant addition as far as donor buy-in and just overall investment behind the scenes in OU athletics because people had a head coach that they could trust and believe in. And so for all the evil that Muleshoe did and continues to do, he has actually indirectly led to a lot of good for the University of Oklahoma. My question is what has drink done of that same ilk? Um, nothing as of yet, but beating him is going to be, that happens this year and it's going to happen. It's, it's going to be pretty fun. That's also going to be a day when you wake up and you say there, there are certain games on the schedule. And I think we know what games those have been on the schedule in the past, but that's a game that you wake up this year and say, God, just please don't lose to these idiots. Please <laughs> just don't, regardless of how much credit you get nationally for this win. This is a game that just, just don't lose. Please don't lose to these morons. The Waffler says, this is not even a comparison, dude. Mule shoe by a mile. Uh, to hear that coming from the Waffler, <laughs> I would say, is a pretty authoritative answer. I, yeah, I still say mule shoe for now. That whole thing last fall, like that, that got under my skin. Man. Vinny Paul says, hate Lincoln. He gaslighted this fan base for years, told us we were dumb. This team is fine. Things are okay. Nah, we knew better, and he knew better, but his image mattered more. A listener in the 405 <laughs> says window liquor in to one describe word, drink. Window liquor is, can be one word in this instance. I like that. Can't you imagine drink just being one of those adults that like is, is sitting in the passenger seat and breathes on the window and then draws on it with his Oh, finger? when uh, when Mizzou comes to OU, I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen is the team bus pulls up and you just see him. Drawing stick figures? Yeah, licking the window as uh, Mizzou pulls up in their bus. To the uh, to the palace on the prairie. Gosh, and you know what? Like I hate. Like you want to talk about hate more? I hate that I hate Missouri so much, and here's the reason why. I feel like all this new hates that we have here is only going to lead to playing Missouri every single year from here on out, regardless of what the structure is. And we're moving to a nine game conference schedule, but God. 
to have to play those idiots every single year. I was hoping that wouldn't be the case, but here we are. I, I feel like that's going to happen. Why do you not want to play them every year? I just you, you, because you not want the smoke, Tyler. I oh, I, I'm not scared. But he, here's what Missouri is moving forward, man. It's a game where if you win ten in a row against those guys, well, yeah, of course you won ten in a row. Oklahoma's supposed to beat Missouri. Haven't you paid attention to the history of the sport? It's one of those games, though, if you lose one time in 11 years or one time in 12 years, God, it's the end of the world and you can't even, you know what I mean? It's like super annoying. That's, that's why I don't want to, you know. So it is the new Bedlam. Yeah. Yes, it is. Cole, uh, I'm sorry, Five Star Randy says, Muleshoe has the distinction of improving two programs at the same time by leaving. You really kind of did. Uh, 405 says, douche. I know you can't read that, but still. I just read it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Tyler said, <laughs> plowing right through the yellow light. Yeah, no, it's, it, I think it's okay if we're talking about drink or, or mule shoe, right? And that's the thing. I don't know. Were they talking about drink or were they talking about mule shoe? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, Colin KC says, what has drink done? Well, let me tell you. They won the Cotton Bowl if you haven't heard from the meth heads that invade my Twitter timeline daily. Drink is a D-back. <laughs> I think we're pretty split. Like th- That was a pretty good question you asked there because it feels like we're pretty split on the responses so far. Mizzou fans are the new Texas A&M fans. Because you remember when Texas A&M went, what, like 9-1 and in 2020, and then they were right there on the verge and then ultimately did sign the greatest recruiting class ever known to mankind. Yeah, they got a COVID Orange Bowl. Yes, and so they were insufferable about their program based on the fact that they were recruiting well and had one good year. Yeah. But had never actually won anything in the long and less than distinguished history of their athletic department previously. Sounds familiar, that's, yes. Yeah, that's Missouri now. Yeah. 405-651-3439. Thank you for uh, joining in on all the hate with us on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It was quite enjoyable. Felt like a little bit of a therapy session. I don't know about you, Parker. Uh, We'll get to more of your texts coming up next. OU has a new offer out to a defensive lineman. There's a new crystal ball out and a whole lot more Cruton. We'll get to it next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on The Ref for the homeless suitor fans. By chance, you know what Friday is? Friday, Friday, Friday. Friday is March 1st. It is March 1st. Yeah. Which is normally the time we award K-Ref Recruiter of the Month. Oh, that's right. Somebody better make a move! Or Sir William E. Beedenbow is going to be K-Ref Recruiter of the Month for the third consecutive month. Uncontested at that. Free lane to the basket. Just dunked it. With authority. Who's to say that he can't, four months in a row, set the new record for K-Ref Recruiter of the Month? Pick up Lamont Rogers in March. They have a they have a chance in the month of March. Uh, we'll see. Uh, okay, let me get to a quick new crystal ball, and then we'll get to the text line, which okay. is amazing right now. Malik Hawkins, new crystal ball. I believe Colin Kennedy uh, put that one in. Uh, we know about Malik Hawkins. He's the younger brother of Michael Hawkins. He's a corner, six foot one seventy five, out of Frisco Emerson, twenty twenty five class. Rivals has him as a three star. Of course, we got the offer from OU. He's got an offer from Texas, an offer from Mississippi State, and Arkansas are some of the better offers here. So has it been OU, Texas? Like I, we, we almost kind of counted this one immediately. It feels like some real reasons why we should feel good about this one. I'm, I, I am very surprised, Tyler, that to this point, 
There has not, I think, save for my prediction for Malik, Collins is the first one across the entire industry in favor of Oklahoma for Malik Hawkins, which is shocking because, like, if you know the kid and you know his family, it is astronomically difficult to believe he is going to be anything but a Sooner. And, yes, Texas has been involved. Arkansas has been involved. Those are his top three. Those are really the only three he has considered. But for so many reasons, man, Oklahoma just makes a ton of sense for him and his family. Uh, OU was early to offer him. Uh, I want to say they were maybe his third offer, so they've been on him a while. Obviously, Oklahoma means a ton to him uh, and his parents and his brother now being at Oklahoma as a freshman quarterback. And I know for a fact that those boys want to play together, if at all possible. So especially with the knowledge that the other major contender here is Texas, are they really going to go stand on opposite sides of the Cotton Bowl every October? It's kind of the same conversation as we had with Peyton and exactly Eli Bowen. I was about to bring right? up. Like, hot. And that one, that one was OU Texas, too, with yep. Eli Bowen, right? Yeah. And Texas lost out on that one. It feels like that. It's going to happen here, too. How, how is little bro going to wear – how is he going to go wear burnt orange with as much love as he has for Oklahoma? And obviously it was uh, telling, very telling, with Eli Bowen, and I think it's telling here with Malik. Yeah, um, I mean, it, Rivals has him that Malik's been to Norman exactly one month ago, uh, March of 2023, January of 2023. Maybe he's been here even more times than that. Uh, I would uh, probably yes. guess, and he's not gonna been be the last here time he's a lot. Yeah. So Texas, I, I don't know if I commend you for trying to to even try and win that battle, but much like Eli Bowen, getting Malik Hawkins is going to be probably going to be really difficult for you. What, what what's the timeline on Malik Hawkins? Because Eli Bowen was just out of nowhere randomly. It's like you felt good about OU's chances for a long time, yeah. and it was like, hey, guys, hey, committing to OU. Was that even during the season last year? No, it was It was a week before the season started. It was August 23rd, maybe the 24th, something like that. Uh, it was towards the end of August. But similarly, I think Malik is a guy that's just going to kind of go at – he's going to march to the beat of his own drum with regard to when and how he makes the decision. And so I can't really put a definitive timetable on it. Uh, I, I know his family wants to just get it over with. I know that to be the case. I don't know what Malik wants. I don't know if he wants to take official visits just for the sake of having free trips, getting free food, free swag, whatever. I fully expect that minimum by the time his senior year rolls around in August, he'll be a Sooner. Uh, Malik, just don't commit during a game. Uh, we found that out last year. You're, uh, <laughs> you have a chance to be uh, one of the more overlooked commits or signees in a class if you commit during a game. Especially like a, a loss. Especially a loss, yeah. That, that didn't work out too well last year. Sooner Phil says, don't forget Mizzou ends with OU. Very good point, Sooner Phil. Uh, 704, Missouri is the new Iowa State. Except Iowa State has a darn good coach. Explain to me the similarities between Mizzou and Iowa State, please. I, I, I'm failing to see it. Follow up. Uh, who, who was it that texted that in? Uh, someone from the 704. Oh, yeah, 704. North Carolina. Yeah, fo- follow up with me. Let me know. Uh, Drink would never try and fight a fan. He's not that tough. However, Matt Campbell <laughs> did attempt to fight a fan last year after a loss to Ohio, which was rather rather excellent. It was great. 
405, Tyler's description of the Mizzou series. Just describe Bedlam football in a nutshell. And, yeah, I think there's some uh, – I mean, you immediately said that, right, when I was explaining that. Like, oh, it's the new Bedlam. Yeah, exactly right. A listener in the 704 says because – oh, this is his follow-up. Because they are good every 10 or 20 years. Well, I I guess maybe, but, like, the thing about Iowa State is that they aren't good every 10 or 20 years. They had been miserable for literally the enti- their entire athletic history until Matt Campbell got there. I love to bring up this quote, but uh, former Iowa State head coach Jim Walden, I forget, was it in the 80s maybe, he famously said, if you come here, you're going to lose and you're going to get fired. In quotes about the <laughs> Iowa State job. He said that while employed at Iowa State? I think he had just gotten fired okay. or, why, or either that or I think maybe he was still employed there at the end of his time. But, I mean, pretty much checks out for the most part. Here's, here's another fun fact for you that I like to throw out every now and again. Creighton has won a conference championship in football more recently than Iowa State. Jeez, yeah. Wasn't it uh, – did Iowa State win the Missouri Valley in like the 20s or 1912, something? 1912, sir. Man. 1912. Yikes. Well, Brock Purdy threw an interception to Trey Brown. They were close to doing it in 2020, but he threw a, a duck up there, and uh, Trey Brown came, came down with it to, to get that win. Um, do we, oh, back up to Aaron and Tulsa there. He says, what's up with Broderick Scholl? We actually brought him up yesterday. I don't think that was Aaron and Tulsa who texted that in, right? No, I, I think don't it think was so. some other uh, 918 texter. Broderick Scholl out of uh, Bixby, offensive lineman. You said that on three had him at where in their newest rankings? Or number rankings? 18 overall. Jeez. Not number 18 among offensive tackles, folks. Number 18 overall, i.e. in the nation regardless of position. Broderick Scholl, according to on three, is the number 18 football player in the country for the class of 2025. Uh, look, I like his tape. I think he's a four-star guy. I don't think he's the number 18 player in the nation. And I do know that Oklahoma, while they, they, they do like him, the reason they haven't offered is because they feel like between Ty Haywood, Michael Fasusi, Lamont Rogers, and Andrew Babalola, they're already in on some better guys than Broderick Schultz. Slim Brady says, I know it's early, but with this being a smaller class, does it end up being in the top ten? Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it absolutely still has a chance to be, in fact, I'm expecting it to be a top 10 class, even though it's going to be a a smaller class. And here's why I think they're going to get Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams will be a top 15, maybe a top 10 player by the time it's all said and done. Um, it feels like things are very good right now with Ty Haywood, who could end up being a top 15 player by the end of the cycle. And you still got a chance with Michael Fasusi. It's between OU and Texas. So if I had to put an over-under on Fasusi, Jonah Williams, and Ty Haywood, maybe it's aggressive. But might I go two and a half as the over-under? I, I, I think you could get two of those three. And if you get two of those threes, that's two top 15 players. That's going to go a long way in you being in the top 10. And that's not even mentioning Lincoln Cure, Andrew Babalola, and some of these others that are in the top 100, top 150. I expect it, Slim Brady, to be in the top ten because I do think the higher-ranked players that are on the board right now, that they're going to get those. Not all of them, but I, I do think that you're going to clean up nicely there. Agree? Disagree? What do you think? I do agree, and you know, I think when you look at Oklahoma's current class on the offensive line in particular, the two guys that they have pledged in 
uh, Ryan Foje and Owen Hollenbeck. Man, those are two studs. Those are two guys that'll be blue chippers. And so, yeah, you know what? If you go two for four with Babalola, Fasusi, Rogers, and Haywood, that's awesome. And that's maybe your greatest class of the modern era on the offensive line. But even if you don't, let's say you only get one out of the four. You are by no means lost. By no means. Yeah. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Nathan says, I like to call drink, drink weed instead of, well, I think you know what he's referencing there. We'll talk about the latest offer, a lot more text, and a lot more crouton as well right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you the sour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones, their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone. And their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to, to assist you before and after the buying process. They have all that and incredible pricing as well. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Um, Jackson Darts, Ole Miss quarterback. His newest NIL deal is with a private jet company. Uh, former future Oklahoma Sooner Jackson Dart. Yeah, he and uh, who was it? Michael Trigg. Yeah, Michael Trigg. He gets an undisclosed amount, an undisclosed number of flights for travel and training. Disclose it. I want the number. <laughs> that is a sweet NIL deal with uh, Nicholas Air. The first private jet partnership for a player in college football history. And in the story that was released about by it, check out the first sentence. Tell me how you like this. Jackson Dart is about to be able to air it out as much off the field as he does on it. I mean, <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> I guess in technicality, it's correct. It works. <laughs> Probably not what I would have led with. Uh, no, same. OU, do, uh, OU has a uh, new offer out on they the defensive do. line. Auburn commit Malik Autry, six foot six, three twenty, uh, out of the state of Alabama. Correct? Yes. And big he was boy. up twenty nine spots today on the newest rivals release, up to a uh, one forty nine. Yeah, and that's one of those guys where I don't think, and he just committed to Auburn. Well, I well I guess no, he committed to Auburn. Gosh, it's been a while now. Feels like it hasn't been that long, but it has. It's been a little over a full year now. Uh, that he's been committed to Auburn. So since very early in the Hugh Freeze era, he's been pledged to the Tigers. And so when a guy's been committed that long, I feel like, okay, maybe like he feels like he hasn't seen it all, needs to evaluate his options a little bit better. And sometimes the longstanding commits, more so than the recent ones, are guys that other schools can figure, okay, we have a better chance at flipping this kid because maybe he's just getting a little bit antsy with the status quo in his recruitment. Maybe he's missing the attention. Maybe he's not entirely sold on his school of choice the way that he was when he pledged, so let's make a run at him. And with Oklahoma and Malik Autry, I think that's a guy that you don't mind making a run at. Again, six foot six, 320 pounds. Interior Tyler. defensive lineman, that too. That is a large individual. Yeah. Yeah, he plays that premium position as well as a defensive tackle. Four-star, and like I said, 149 today on the newest set of rivals rankings. He's got a Florida offer, a Georgia offer, an LSU offer, a Michigan offer, Miami offer, Texas offer. He's uh, Yeah, he's got a ton of offers if he wants to look elsewhere. Auburn's one of those uh, interesting schools, though, when it comes to the NIL. I don't know how much money or how much NIL money Auburn has. I have no idea. But we've made fun of Auburn for a long time for making very quick decisions when it comes to coaches. Like, ah, massive buyout here. Who cares? We'll pay it, right? 
And we remember the whole Cam Newton situation that sounds like Auburn paid for Cam all those years ago. It did it result in the national championship. But we don't talk about Auburn as much when it comes to big spenders in the NIL. Now, they did flip a five-star from Georgia last year. They did flip a five-star from Alabama. I don't know if that was NIL-related or not, but are they one of the more underrated schools when it comes to aggressive NIL programs out there? Just because of their track record is why I bring that up. Had some Mm. questionable moments in previous years. They have. I don't really think so. I don't really think they're that aggressive. I mean... The reason people remember the Cam Newton saga is because it culminated in a national championship. Auburn won a title with Cam Newton. And the Auburn or the Alabama PA guy played take the money and run when they ran out on the field at Bryant Denny Stadium. That was pretty awesome. That was. Um but no, I, I, I don't really think Auburn is in that same tier as some of the uh <laughs> how do I phrase this? I, I wanted to throw the Missouri comparison out, but Missouri hasn't been successful, so it feels it feels weird to keep them in any company save for Texas A and M as far as NIL spending. But I guess I wouldn't say that. Uh, well, honestly, Alabama, Alabama, like they they have obviously won many national titles in recent years, and I, from what I understand and from the things I've been told and talking to folks that have known the situation down there. Yeah, it starts with a really strong culture, but some of the ways that they got players in recent years hasn't been entirely above board. Bob Stoops will join us next hour at 3.20. Be sure to tune in for that. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.